0: Welcome to the Gardens Podcast. This message entitled Easter Sunday was given on April 4th, 2010 by Darren Roundson. I'm one of the pastors at the Garden Church and we're so glad you're here. Today we get to celebrate along with millions and millions and millions of people all across the world celebrating something and reminding each other that something happened 2,000 years ago that changed the way the world works. Jesus, amen, yeah, Jesus came to this earth, he lived, he died, and he was resurrected from the dead, and he's been making all things new ever since, and it's for this reason, I want to remind us one more time, he is risen, he is risen indeed, that was weak, come on, one more time, he is risen, there you go, if I do it again, you just got to work on it, okay, um, I need some feedback up here, my name is Darren, and uh, what we just saw and what we just heard was the story of the prodigal son. And we thought it would be fitting to share this story with you um, through a video and just reading. Because the story of the prodigal son and the resurrection story is a story of new beginnings, of new hope and fresh starts. And that's what Easter is all about. It really is the beginning of the new creation. Um, And the prodigal son is an interesting story because most of us at one point in our lives have lived this out. We, We were designed to live in perfection with God. We were designed to worship Him, to be intimately known by Him, and, and to be in communion with Him. But we have all chosen, at one point in our lives, our freedom to go our separate ways. And so, the prodigal son tells a story about coming home. And to be honest, many of us are here as just representing uh, the fact that we honestly know that money, sex, power, achievement, approval, success security, whatever it is, those things don't satisfy fully. And we have people here that are living proof that those things do not satisfy. So, the prodigal son, it's a story of coming home, and that's what we're going to talk about today. And we thought it would be fitting to share the story from Jesus' mouth and what he spoke in the Word um, from the New Testament. But I want to make something clear. We believe that Jesus wasn't just a myth. He wasn't just uh, a fairy tale or or an imaginary thing that happened. He wasn't just a prophet. We believe that he was fully human, and he lived on this earth, and he walked. But he was different by one way. He was separate from us because he was fully God. And he was perfect. And so when we we talk about Jesus, and and we're going to talk about what God is like, we're talking about it from Jesus' perspective, which is the first person. And I I don't know um, a lot of you, to be honest, and I don't know how you got here. It's, we're excited you're here. Maybe you came from a brother, a friend, a cousin, uncle, family member. We're so excited that you're here. But what, what we need to understand is that there are so many views of God out there. And maybe some of you that are even Christian or have views have, have perspectives of God that are possibly inaccurate. Some of you might believe that God is like the absentee landlord, right? He, he kind of just wound up the earth and, and all the universe, and he's been watching it kind of play itself out from a distance. And he's kind of just keeping his, his distance and he's just enjoying watching it. Others of you probably have the view that God's this cosmic 9 service. How many of you guys know what I'm talking about? Where, where the lottery's high or the circumstances in your life get rough. Then maybe you might say a couple words out there hoping that he'll come interact. Others are kind of like God's the Santa Claus. You just don't get on the naughty list. He'll eventually reward you one day. You guys know what I'm talking about? We all have these prevailing views about God, but Jesus, he introduces a different type of God. His God is far more uncomfortable than those gods. His God is far more frightening, more beautiful, more threatening, more powerful, more truthful, and more loving and forgiving than anything we could possibly imagine. That's the God we want to talk about today, and we're going to hear that from his story. Um, What I want to say is that before we begin to... Um, one of the things I love about Jesus is that he was constantly getting into trouble. How many of you know know that about Jesus? He was always getting into trouble. And and, and what was fascinating is he was getting into trouble with the religious folks, the people that were supposedly closest to God. And it was interesting because Jesus would hang out with the sinners, the tax collectors, the prostitutes, the, the unsavory people of his time in the first century. And the religious people... Gave them a hard time about it. And their perspective was was something maybe some of you have. Their perspective was that, hey, God is so pure, how could the Messiah, who represents God, actually hang out with these impure people? God's supposed to only hang out with the religious, the pure people, the people that have it all together. And so they were confused. The religious people were confused by Jesus. So they gave him all all this grief for it, and they eventually killed him for it. Because Jesus would hang out with people that you wouldn't want to hang out with. And so he was asked all the time, hey, what's God like by the religious people? What's He like? If, 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 what, what are you revealing about God? What is God like if you're hanging out with the people that are at the end of their rope, the, un- the impure, the broken, the least? What's God like? And so he, he, he would cleverly respond with these stories like... Um, He would say, hey, people are sick and I've come to heal them. People are lost, I've come to find them. And he would share these parables. And in Luke chapter 15, we read three different parables. I want to share two with you, and then we'll read the prodigal son together. The first story that he says when he's asked, hey, what's God like? He says this, suppose that you were a shepherd and you have a hundred sheep. You lose one and you have ninety-nine. You don't just sit back and you say, well, I have ninety-nine sheep. No, he says, you actually go after, you leave the 99, you go after the lost sheep, and when you find it, you pick it up and you put it on your shoulders, and you carry it back to camp, and you celebrate, because what was once lost was now found. And Jesus adds, in the same way, the angels in heaven rejoice over one sinner who repents and over the 99 righteous people that don't have to. And he tells another story. He says, hey, there's a woman who has ten coins. She loses one. She doesn't sit back and say, I only have nine coins. No. It says that she turns the lights on in her house. She flips her house upside down. And she looks for what she lost. And when she finds it, she calls all of her neighbors in. And she celebrates what was once lost was now found. And Jesus adds, in the same way, there's a party in heaven. A party in heaven when one person turns their life back to God. Now just sit with that for a moment. Imagine if you were living during Jesus' time, in the first century, in that culture, and your, your worldview was this. In order to be close with God, you had to check off the religious checklist. You had to punch the card. You had to climb the religious ladder. Because the only way you could be close with God is by having everything figured out. And here comes the Messiah. And he's telling these two stories. And all of a sudden, you realize, wait, I'm the lost sheep. I'm the lost coin. God is searching for me, not the other way around. Would that not be good news? And then we get into Luke chapter 15. If you have a Bible, go to Luke 15, verse 11. And remember, this is what Jesus is responding to. He's saying, What is God like? What is He like? And he tells those two stories, and then he tells this story in uh, chapter 15, verse 11. It will be on the screen. If you need a Bible, you can raise your hand. Verse 11, Then Jesus said, there was, a, uh, there was a man who had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of the property that will belong to me. Give me the share of the property that will belong to me. So picture this. You're at Easter dinner tonight. And you go up to your father or your mom and you say, hey, what's in the will for me? And he starts listing off, you know, you have baseball cards, my car, my house, whatever it is. The cool collection of utensils. And, and uh, hopefully, hopefully, that's not what he gives you. But, but eventually, it's probably going to be offensive. Because what you say is, well, whatever you're going to give me when you're dead, why don't you just give it to me now? It, would probably, it probably wouldn't go over very well, I'm, I'm sure, right? Now, in the first century, if a, if a son asked his father this question, his father should respond. It was outrageous. It was absolutely outrageous. And what should continue in the story is something like this. His father hears his son's request, and his father says, You're dead to me now. I can't believe you would shame me with such a horrible request. Get out of our family. Get out of our community. You're dead to me. No more. Absolutely outrageous to ask that question. But this is what Jesus tells. He tells a different story. That's what could be expected. But this is what happens. The father divides the property between the two. He does something even more outrageous. And the story continues. Verse 13. A few days later, the younger son gathered all that he had and traveled to a distant country. And there he squandered his property in desolate living, And when he spent everything, a severe famine came and took place throughout the entire country, and he began to be in need. So, so he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of the country, who sent him to the fields to feed the pigs. He would gladly have filled himself with the pods that the pigs were eating, and no one gave him anything. So this son takes off with his money, goes to Las Vegas, spends all of his money, a famine comes, he he doesn't have anything, so he begins to work in the field with pigs. Now, if you were a Jew, you would never touch a pig. They're unclean. Jesus is saying, this is the most desperate situation this son could possibly get into. The pigs are just a symbol of how desperate this person is. And the story continues. It says he comes to his senses. He's starving. He says, how many of my father's Hired hands have bread enough to spare, but here I am dying of hunger. I know what I'll do. I'll get up and go see my dad, and I'll say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven, and before you I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me like one of your hired servants. So he set off and went to see his father. So he comes to his senses. He recognizes, man, my dad has a company, and the employees there make way more money than I'm making. They have food to spare. I know what I'll do. I recognize that what I did, shame my father, and that there's no possible way I could ever come back into the kingdom, into his, into his family, is what he's saying. I couldn't come back as his son. So what I'll do is I'll, I'll see if he's, he'll be willing to hire me as an employee. And as an employee, I'll, I'll try to earn my way back into the family. That's the only way you could have done it back then. And so he prepares his speech. Could you imagine the desperation? I love, I used to be an actor, so I love putting myself into characters. And, and imagine being that character, being this person, so desperate that you're preparing the speech to your father, knowing all the cultural background. And so you head home with this speech, I'm, I'm unworthy to be called your son. And this is what I love about this story. It says he's sent off, he's sent off to go see his dad. But while he was still far off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion. He ran and put his arms around him and kissed him. Then the son began with his prepared speech to say, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to him, Quickly, bring me my robe, my best robe, and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. And get the, the fatted calf and kill it. Let us celebrate and eat. For the son of mine was dead and is alive. He was lost and now he's found. And he began to celebrate. So, the father sees his son from a distance. Now, in this society, in the first century, a a man would never run. Ever. Taboo. You'd never do it. He sees his son that shamed him, sinned against him, ruined his name and reputation, took a third of his property, and he picks up his robe and runs to his son. And when he gets to his son, he kisses him. He hugs him, embraces him. Are you seeing this? And in this rehearsed speech, Dad, I'm not worthy to be called your son. I sinned against you. And it's like he interrupts him. And he says, No. No. You can never earn what I will give you freely. You are my son. End of story. Bring out the robe. That's a symbol of restoration. A ring. Symbol of restoration. The the sandals. Symbol of restoration. Not just restoration into family. Not just restoration into community. Restoration into life. What was once dead is now alive. What was once lost is now found, and they celebrate it. That's the story of the prodigal son. What is God like, is the question. What What is the father like? The religious folks say, why are you the Messiah hanging out with all these people that don't have it figured out? He tells the story of the prodigal son. God is not an absentee landlord. He's not unconcerned. He's not distant. He's not watching this from a distance, waiting for something to go wrong. He's not the traffic cop that wants to write up a ticket every time you mess up. He's not Santa Claus that one day eventually will bless you for all your good deeds. No. That's not who God is. Jesus says... Our God is the type of God that pursues you before you can even pursue Him. He's the one that comes after you before you get your speech together, before you get your, your, your act figured out, before you deal with your addictions, before you have your doubts answered, before you can clean up your life. He's the type of God that moves towards you before you can even move towards Him. That's what our God is like. And I'm sorry if we've ever taught this differently as a church. If you've ever heard something else, maybe you've been to churches before and the expectation is actually you are not a sinner and you are not broken and you can't struggle with anything. That's not what God is like. Our God has designed us to live intimately involved with Him. To be known by Him. To be loved by Him. But somehow along the lines, we've settled. We've settled for counterfeits. And it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what you've done intentionally. It doesn't matter what you've, what mistakes you've made, what you've done with your life, what your past looks like. It doesn't matter if you've had a divorce or not. It doesn't matter. God meets you where you are. That's the type of God that Jesus is describing. That's the story of of the gospel. The story that Jesus is telling is so simple. It's this God has done everything, everything. He's relentless, pursuing you, so that all you have to do is turn towards home. He'll even run towards you. And so we celebrate Good Friday. I always, always uh, I was tweeting this the other day, because um, <laughs> you can do that now. But we celebrate Good Friday, and, and we call it good. Those that are Christians, we understand, we call it good. And I just need to clarify, we call it good, and it's the day that our Messiah was beaten, whipped, bruised, mocked, crucified, tortured, and died. It's the day that he was killed. And for some reason, we call it good. Now, you got to think we're crazy. Unless early Christians and Scripture, and we kind of buy the fact that something happened on that day that makes that day good. We all have offended God. And what happened on that day is Jesus came and He paid the price for us. And, and it's funny because the, the truth is this. We are designed to live perfect lives. So I want to do a quick poll. How many of you, if you, if you don't mind, stand up. Live perfect lives, everyone. So yeah, it would, the poll. I love the mics standing up right now. Uh, I love the. It would probably look something like this, right? All of you sitting and me standing up here. Um, just kidding. Just kidding. I'm just kidding. My wife's here and she would tell you different. So. No, but that's that's the Good Friday story. We were designed to live perfectly. We are designed to live in communion with God, but we broke that. And the story of Good Friday is this. Paul says it. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. What does that mean? Well, before you went to church, before you did anything good, before you gave money, before you had any type of religiousness, religiousness to you, Christ showed and demonstrated His love for you by dying on the cross in your place, paying your sin, so that you wouldn't have to. And so the story is that it's been paid. It's been paid. I, 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 was at, I went to Vanguard University, and um, I, I, it's an expensive school, and I had student loans and financial aid. And the, my senior year, my first semester, halfway through the semester, I get this letter in the mail, in my mailbox, and I open it, and it says that I owe the school a couple thousand dollars all of a sudden, and that I would get dropped from my classes if I didn't immediately pay it. And I was a college student, so I didn't have any money. And I had no clue what I was going to do. And it's funny because I remember thinking, what happened? How did this happen? Freaking out. I walked to the financial clerk office and there's the girl in the window, the clerk. Um, I just hand her the letter and she's, I'm like, what's this about? And all she does is read the letter. Yeah, you're going to be dropped from your classes. And I'm like, there's no way. There's no way. And then she, she, she gets on the computer. She's like, oh. And she pauses and she says, oh, your bill's paid. And somehow, between the the day they sent it out and the day I received the letter, I got extra scholarships. But this is what the point is. The Good Friday story, the Easter story, is that I get to stand on the stage and be the clerk saying, your bill's been paid. How cool is that? How cool is that? I just want to say that There's no religious uh, ladder you have to climb. There's no checklist. There's nothing that you have to do to earn your way back to God. In fact, God, I love him. He says, come to me and I'll clean you up. Come to me and I'll sort out your life. Come to me, I'll deal with your addictions. I'm in the transformation business. That's what he does. So if you come here today and you're thinking, well, there's no way... My life has been demonstrated again and again, full of brokenness, full of doubt, full of fear. My marriage is destroyed. I have no hope because I've experienced so much pain in this life that there's no way I can hope for tomorrow. Well, we stand here, and we say, He's risen. He's risen indeed. That's the Good Friday, the Easter story. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter who you think you are. Jesus, I love it. Jesus made it really simple for us. And I'm just trying to to make this message simple today. There's nothing you can do to earn it. It's clear. The Father freely gives it. There's nothing you can do to deserve it. You were created to be loved, to be known, and to worship our Creator. There's a word for this. It's called grace. How many of you heard that word? It's astounding. Absolutely free. So, I think uh, this evening, or this morning, I'm so used to teaching at night. I still haven't got it. Um, you guys look really good. You guys are great. This section's beautiful. You guys look really good over here. <laughs> Dressed up. Just kidding. All of you look great. But it's funny because Easter is such a great day. We dress up in our Sunday best. We put on our clothes. We wear the ties. Um, But you wouldn't even know that most of us are hiding the fact that our lives are a complete mess. Our lives are just destroyed by shame, by guilt. By patterns of behavior that have simply identified us as, as this thing or that thing. Or a relationship that has identified us as an adulterer, a divorcee, abuser. You would never know by how we look, but the truth is, our lives are a mess for a lot of us. And the the invitation that Jesus offers is, is very simple. Come to me, I'll clean you up. I've paid your debt. I'm the way to the Father. You simply don't have to be defined by your junk anymore. You don't have to be defined by your junk anymore. You can be defined by my son or my daughter. I think um, a few things I just want to add to this. I think a lot of us come in, some of us don't know Jesus at all. And this is like the first experience that we might have had. And I just want to say, um, you're, you're in good company because we're all trying to figure him out. Um, others of you have these understandings of Jesus. You might think that, oh, yeah, he was a great man. He maybe a prophet even. But what he's teaching in the Bible, you know, that's just for us to figure out. And that's great, great ideas. But he's not God. We believe him to be God. And we believe that you were separated by God. And he made it equal. He made it possible for you to be with God. So I think it would be hypocritical today, I'm just going to end, to not um, invite some of you just to to receive the same invitation that many of us have received. Um, Just a simple message. God loves us. Period. So if you don't mind, I would just love to talk for a little bit with your eyes closed. If you guys would just close your eyes and settle in. Just listen to my voice, just for a moment. You know, the Easter Sunday is a day that a lot of us come to church for the first time or just once a year, and that's amazing. Such a gift to have you guys here. And I don't know where you come from, but I do believe some of you are here, and, and even just the video um, is just revealing the obvious struggles that some of you have. Um, I think some of you are here and you know God's calling you home. You know he's drawing you to him. Your heart's pounding right now. Maybe you've been discussing this with friends or maybe maybe not. I want to say that God will not stop pursuing you. He won't let go. I think others of you are, are those prodigals you've been away from it for a while maybe maybe your heart has simply been intellectual property and you've been distant and i think the call for you is to come home so if any of those things are you this morning or if something's stirring inside of you i just want to invite you just to say yes to jesus today it's not fancy there's nothing fancy about it it's just a simple prayer but if you want to accept Jesus, or if you want to rededicate or recommit to Jesus as your Lord and Savior, uh, would you just repeat after me? And you can do this out loud. You can do this in the quietness of your heart. Just listen to this. Just say, Lord Jesus, I admit I need you. I screwed up my life pretty good. thank you for paying my bill. I ask that you would come into my life. You would forgive me. That you would reconcile me to you. Make me clean. I don't even know what I'm getting myself into, but I say yes to you today. I receive your sacrifice, and I pray that you give me new life, new identity, new purpose, and new hope. So uh, keep your eyes closed for just a moment, but Jesus talks about the need to declare our belief in him publicly. Um, He says that if you acknowledge me before men, I'll acknowledge you before my Father in heaven and the angels. And if if this is a time for you where you just, this is it, you said that prayer, I just want to invite you to do something radical. Would you just stand up and just recognize that you're coming home right now where you're at, While your eyes are closed, just stand where you are. awesome it's awesome you can just stay standing if you don't mind just stand up where you're at. this is such a big deal I know it's brave just wherever you are such a big deal. such a big deal. Brothers and sisters would you all just stand with us as we are going to continue our worship and welcome your new brothers and sisters into the kingdom. Thank you for listening. If you'd like to hear other messages from the garden, or would like to find out more about the garden church, please visit us on the web at thegardenlb.org. I come to wait.